Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Shelf Logic podcast. I'm Samantha. And I'm Jackie. Uh, and we're both librarians at the Georgia T. Lord Library in Goodyear, Arizona. Um, and we are here today uh, to talk about the Padme Book Trilogy. Yeah, we've got The Queen's Shadow, The Queen's Peril, and The Queen's Hope. Yes. Would you like to get started? Would you like me to start? Um, if you want to go ahead and start, since this is my first time reading these, actually. So this is my second reread, um, and I, I love I love Padme. Like, she... She's become very memeable over the years with the prequel trilogy, but if you watch The Clone Wars, which you are able to check out at mcldaz.org, place all of those on hold and watch them, they're incredible. Um, she gets a lot more fleshed out in the show and in these books, as well as she makes some guest appearances in other books. Um, but The Queen's Shadow is after Padme's two years, or excuse me, four years of being the queen, the elected queen of Naboo, the, um, she's asked to become the senator for Naboo, and it is her trying to navigate these new like political waters when it's something that she's not technically like experienced in the way that she did when she was queen. And it's her learning to adapt to these new situations full of intrigue and assassination attempts and it's all very stressful sometimes yeah it is and i think it's really interesting reading with that being the first book going from if you have only watched the movies to going in and reading these books it's interesting because it goes a lot more into the political intrigue of star wars right and it's also interesting reading them as an adult because technically it is a young adult series, but I think it's it's good for young adults, adults, anyone that likes Star Wars, anyone that likes female characters and political intrigue. We love us a strong female character. Yes, here. we do. And this book trilogy is chock full of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's kind of like reading The Hunger Games as an adult. You forget how young the characters are. Yeah. Until you read it again as an adult, and you're like, she was running a whole planet at 14. Right. And now she's in the Senate, and she's like, I'm not sure about this new queen that's coming in that's 23. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Padme's only 18 in the first book when right. she like starts her career as a senator. 18 yeah. years old, I couldn't even decide what I wanted to be when I grew up, let alone being a part of the Senate. Yeah, most of us, like, at 18, if you think about it, maybe you're going to college, maybe you just moved out of your parents' house the first time, whatever your situation was, and you're kind of coming into that adulthood, and then you're reading this book, and the first book, like she, you said, she's 18, and she's coming off a four-year term as queen, so she was elected when she was 14, and she also lived in total anonymity for four years, which I don't think I knew until like reading the book right and then it makes so much more sense in context of the movie because I think the movie when you're a kid is kind of confusing because you're like wait why is someone else pretending to be the queen and it yeah. wasn't her the whole time 
Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I like the deep, the deep dive into Padme mm -hmm. and giving her more than, not that she's a bad character in the prequel trilogy. She's an excellent shot. She mm -hmm. is fiery. She is smart. She's, she is a strong female character in the prequel trilogy as well. I mean, minus some of George Lucas's very quotable, uh, yes, quotable dialogue that he he gave Padme, um, which is some of my favorite things to just say out loud, just at random because it just makes me laugh. But anyway, outside of the not super great dialogue like she is a really tough and strong character and she's one that people can look up to and i think that the books help to flesh that out even more like i love her i love padme yeah i love her like uh -huh. she's a real person <laughs> yes i agree completely no and it's so cool and seeing the um handmaidens too more of they're actually the fact that it's like they're all twelve to fourteen too, right? And they're all like living together with the supervision of guards, like people that are hired to protect them, not like they're only like nurturing caretaker is themselves almost right. as this unit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I almost feel like I kind of want to go back and watch the prequel movies, having read the books. Because I feel like it almost, like, kind of bolsters up. I think there's some great acting and some great performances in the prequels. Right. That really got overshadowed by maybe not great writing from George Lucas. <laughs> and um, at times, kind of ridiculous CGI and stuff, which is true. <laughs> well, it was 1990. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that's just one of the things that people like to point out that, well, the ships aren't all gritty and it wasn't right. And it's like, okay, but we're also going back in time 20 years <laughs> and there hadn't been a war yet. Right. <laughs> okay. So we get to get to know the handmaidens a little more in depth in queen's peril which is technically a prequel to the queen's shadow mm -hmm. um we get to meet all of padme's uh handmaidens including sabe who is portrayed by kira knightley in the phantom menace just in case there's the one person out there that didn't know that fun fact Mm -hmm. Yes, and for those that are still confused about the decoy maneuver, Sabe is who is in the Amidala makeup for most of the Phantom Menace movie. Right. And there's actually fun little tidbits I've heard about Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman's mothers confusing them on set <laughs> and accidentally trying to take the wrong child home because they also couldn't tell them apart. I love that. <laughs> Um, and you can also check out the prequel series from your local library, from your local Maricopa County Library, um, or you can visit mcldaz.org to place the item on hold if your library doesn't have it. Everything we speak about today, you are able to check out from your library, or if you visit Libby or Hoopla, they are all available online as well. Yeah, no, and I think it's really interesting making this the second book because this is the part of the story i think people are maybe more familiar with because right. it is the phantom menace it's a lot of the background and what led up to that fall because um i feel like it's not super clear in the movie that she had literally just been elected right I mean, 
Yeah, when the events are happening. Yeah, it's been like a couple weeks, and then the planet's Uh under a blockade. Right, the Trade Federation, here they come. (laughs) Like, uh oh. Um, But I think it's really clever because you get the first book where it's, they're all kind of this very tight knit group of Padme and her handmaidens are kind of going their separate ways for the first time. Right. Uh, with Padme joining the Senate and she still needs the staff and this assistance, but not in the same way she did as queen. Right. Um, and learning what that means for her and for her handmaidens that are coming with her as well as her new staff that is coming in. Um, but also just what that means for her as an individual, because they all function as a unit for so long. Right. Uh, which is what, that's why I kind of like that Queen's Peril is the second book, because you see the unit splitting up, but then you see how the unit came to be in the first place. And yeah. you kind of understand what that meant for them to go their separate ways. Yeah, because they're, they're, it's like familial by the end of it. Like, Absolutely. These girls have grown up together and become this like unsinkable ship of a group that they can take on any kind of obstacle all in the name of protecting, you know, Amidala and then later on protecting Senator Padme, you know, and it it it's a it's a tough read watching these girls like yeah essentially break up <laughs> kind of the last chapter in the third book i actually just i started crying because it was like kind of there's this really emotional moment between sabe and padme oh don't ask for them again yep you always have my hands and but don't, don't ask, ask for them, for them again, again. Oh, my hands are yours but please don't ask me for them again oh it hurts me <laughs> uh, yeah that line no, and it's especially when you're, because obviously E.K. Johnston doesn't go over every single little tidbit because there's kind of a presumption you've seen their prequels or the Clone Wars or something, and you know mm-hmm. most of the story. So it's interesting because Queen's Hope takes place. It's during the Clone Wars, right after she marries. It's during and after her marriage to Anakin Skywalker. Right. Um, and for those of you who are at the beginning of that film of Attack of the Clones, is one of the handmaids who is acting as a decoy for Padme is assassinated by mistake. Yep. I think it was Dorme? Or no, it's not Dorme. It's... Um, Corday. That's mm-hmm. who it was, Corday. Um, so there's lots of mentions of Corday in the books, and there's also all these very cool, because of course Padme Amidala is known for her incredible wardrobe. Right. That I think most of us wanted to have at some point in our lives, <laughs> uh, if only just for the lake dress. Um, oh, the lake dress. The lake dress. Um, <laughs> I always loved her wedding dress as a kid, and that's a really cool moment in Queen's Hope. I love that when she talks about getting ready for her wedding, mm-hmm. and that this is really the only thing she's ever done alone, right. and that she can't really talk about it with anyone or any of these people that she's incredibly close to. Right. Um, and that's something that's not really portrayed in those prequel movies. No. It's like her deep loneliness because she wants to share it with her her family and her her handmaidens and she can't because of yeah. Anakin being a Jedi. 
and him not supposed to have him not being able to have those attachments. Yeah, it's it's kind of a melancholy start to uh, an interesting marriage. Yeah, especially because going to this, you do know how Padme's story ends. Mm-hmm. And how their story ends, and how the next chapter in the Skywalker saga begins. Right. And it's, I think it's kind of, I think that's what they're going for in naming the book A Queen's Hope, because so much of it is so hopeful, because it's, the Clone Wars are just beginning, and they're hoping for a fairly low conflict wrap-up, which obviously isn't what happens. No. Um, and when they're on that later, so it's talking a lot about things that get touched on in the Clone Wars, like the autonomy of the clones and right. the rights of the clones. And what does it mean when someone has literally been born for warfare? Right. Um, and I think it's also very interesting. We see a lot of queer characters and a lot of different gender identities and yeah. ideas in those books that are just kind of exist like this is star wars this is the future why would this be an issue right uh, which i think is very cool um and very well done on the part of ek johnston but yeah because there's this chapter where sabe is having to stand in for padme and no one has found out yet about her marriage to anakin skywalker and it's really testament how close her friendship is that she just notices the schedule is very strange and he, she has these long hours alone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she doesn't seem to be going to the opera or doing anything enjoyable. She's just fully isolating herself. What is happening? But she's not. But she's not. <laughs> it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, Sabe... Are we getting into spoilers talking about Sabe finding out about Anakin? Because, like, he comes into her room and he's like, hey, baby. And she's like, like, oh, get away from me. (laughs) That was honestly my favorite scene. I have to cut this part out because that might be a spoiler. But that was my favorite. She's like, who's at the door? And Anakin's like, who's in my wife's bed? Oh, man. And they're both so protective of Padme and so immediately aggressive oh, about yeah. this situation, which anyone would be. Like, who would it be if some strange man... And Sabe hates Anakin. Oh, my God, she him. does. I love it so much. I love it so much. Sabe outlining the timeline of them getting married. Of Okay, so you were on Tatooine. Yep. I met a nine-year-old boy. Yep. He fell in love and has not stopped thinking about Padme since. Yep. They meet ten years later, and that's when her the assassination attempt happens. So he takes her to Naboo to, like, isolate her. Not isolate her, but, like, protect her while they figure out who is trying to assassinate her. Yep. They, like, fall in love. Um, they have the Battle of Geonosis. Uh-huh. And, and then so they go weird. back to Naboo and get married, and yeah. then the Clone Wars starts. Yeah, so, like, and somewhere in there on Tatooine, <laughs> we find out Shui Skywalker is dead. Surprise. Right. Surprise. And Padme's oh, like, man. what if we had our honeymoon? <laughs> She's, this is fine. It's fine. I love I that. It. I love that line, though, when Sabe is talking to her, she's like, well... You did always say if you fell in love, it would be destructive, so. 
Yeah, there's nothing more destructive than Anakin Skywalker. Oh. And this is coming from somebody who is a deep, deep... I love Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I love Anakin Skywalker. I love uh-huh. uh, Hayden Christensen. Yes. I, big fan with all his faults. I, uh, I mean, I love Padme, too. I love... I, I'm, I'm aware that, like... Everybody's like, oh, it doesn't really seem like they like each other. Like, yeah, but they're they're trying to hide everything. And then like these newlyweds, these two people, one who is 19 and one who is like 24. Yeah. These fresh young people are trying to be in love. And boom, there's a war where he is gone for a long time. And he like thrives in war while she's trying to figure out ways to stop it. And so it's, it's a, it's a hard. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting. Yeah. I've had a very interesting idea of Anakin as a character because when I was younger, of course, I like it was like the movies were just coming out. I was four when Phantom Menace came out. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> You're not old. Um, I mean, I saw, yeah, the first, I remember going to see Revenge of the Sith at the drive-in. The drive-in. At the drive-in, yes. <laughs> we went and saw Revenge of the Sith. It was a double feature with X-Men The Last Stand. Oh, nice. <laughs> House of Wax was also coming out that weekend. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are the things that you remembered. Oh, uh, gosh. What? Almost 20 years later. Oh, oh man. Uh, yep. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it came out in 04, didn't it? Or I was it 05? I don't, I don't remember. Let me, let me look it up. It was somewhere in there, all four or five-ish. Um, 2005. 2005, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't really, like, like, I knew, I knew the change, I know we're a little bit off topic from Queen's Hope, but, like, I knew that the change was happening from Anakin Skywalker to Vader. Right. And, but I don't think it hit me as hard. I was only 14 when uh-huh. the third movie came out. So it didn't really hit me as hard because I just was like, oh, yeah, he's I I knew that Anakin Skywalker was going to be mm-hmm. Vader. So I didn't really feel it in any kind of like it didn't really hit me yeah. in any kind of way. But then watching Star Wars Rebels, which you can also place on hold and watch. We have all four seasons um, and watching like Anakin with or Vader with Ahsoka and watching these interactions and mm-hmm. Vader stating, I killed Anakin Skywalker, guts me every time. So now when I watch the third movie and watch that change, like, I weep because I know there's so much more to it than there was before. Right. Losing Padme, which um, there's an epilogue at the end after the death of Padme of of the first novel of... Yes. Of... um, Queen Shadow, there's an epilogue where it's after Padme's death and, like, how gutting that is for Sabe because mm-hmm. she's been with Padme since Padme was 14 years old. And now this light and this person who has just fought for Naboo and for the Republic and for good in the galaxy is just gone. This light is gone. And it's yeah, and I it think hurts. <laughs> thinking back on that epilogue, having read all three books, remembering what, as far as we know, was the last interaction Sabe and Padway had. Yeah, it's so gutting because they both 
probably thought, okay, we have grown apart at this juncture of our lives. We need to do things separately because we've done things as a unit for such a long time. Right. But someday things are going to settle down and we can create something new together. Yeah. In our future. And then that future just never comes. Yeah. And I think that's why... (laughs) Like, you and I clearly, because we're going to make ourselves cry um, <laughs> talking about that. No tears on the Shelf Logic podcast. No, no tears allowed. There's no <laughs> crying at the library. We know that's a lie. Um, <laughs> there's always crying at the library. There are too many good books that make you cry for there to be no crying at the library. Yes. Oh, maybe our tagline should be, it should be always crying at the And it's so, I think that's why so much has come out of Star Wars, is because it is, so much of it is so hopeful, because obviously the entire Skywalker saga, that's the whole thing, is there's always hope. Yeah. But there are so many of these just heart-wrenching tragedies Mm -hmm. that happen, because I know as an adult, going back and watching the original trilogy... I don't think that scene with um, Princess Leia when Alderaan is hit with the Death Star, I don't think it hits nearly as hard when you're a kid. Like, I don't think you completely understand. Oh, in the OG 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 sequel. Yes. In New Hope. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, it's a baddie blowing up just a planet. Yep. The scene of Vader and Tarkin and Leia watching the Death Star be used the first time Mm -hmm. to destroy Alderaan. And then you find out later, like, okay, that's her father. Right. Um, Bail Organa. Yes. Like, okay, she just lost her father, but also she finds out later her biological father is the one who did it. Interrogating (laughs) and torturing her. Right. But then it's also you. (laughs) Darth Vader is such a, like, character classic villain that, like, when you think about it, you think Darth Vader in mm-hmm. the dark hallway and the lighting up of the lightsaber. Oh my the- gosh, at the beginning of, uh, or at the end of Rogue One, yes. where he shuts off his like breathing apparatus yes. so that he can make his like grand entrance. That is one of the most incredible scenes yes. in like, and I, I think, movie if history. I thought about that, if they were just like, okay, it needs to be fully dark, they didn't think we think that far into it of oh he had to turn off his entire breathing apparatus to do that oh no anakin skywalker was a would. dramatic man he and would. vader is absolutely uh, a no, dramatic I man i just wonder <laughs> if the filmmakers thought about it that hard or if they're just like no it doesn't look as cool if you can see the lights and then we all later are like yeah anakin skywalker would risk suffocation <laughs> and death to make that entrance oh yeah <laughs> he would absolutely um, there's the reason the man ended up with a robotic hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it is not because he was the most responsible Jedi that ever lived. Oh, no. <laughs> he was he was there for a dramatic moment. I yes, that. as we learn from his son, Luke Chanel Boots Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then, yeah, and I just love the pointing out that Leia has more of Anakin's personality than Padme's. It's just... I think so. I, think I, I would agree yeah. with that. Um, but she's also... 
She had well, she's got a lot of Padme. Oh, in absolutely. Her as well, because she is an excellent shot. Yes. Oh, she is very much both and, Anakin and Padme's daughter. And she's a lot more diplomatic than I think Anakin could ever be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that was mainly intervention from the Orcanos. <laughs> they saw this little Spitfire they brought home and were like, oh no. <laughs> We gotta channel some of that somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I am a big fan of all of it. So much of Star Wars can't even happen without these female characters. I love these little vignettes you get in the epilogues and the prologues of Rhea and, mm-hmm. uh huh, and Shmi and Padme and yeah. just all. Like, all the mothers and the sisters and the wives that exist in Star Wars that in the films don't always get taken out of the box. Because even Padme and Leia, they're such great characters. Mm-hmm. But it's always Luke and Anakin and Han. Right. And I think for we forget how much of what happens in those stories is simply not possible without those female characters. I agree. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think I think it's a great thing that we're getting these books and these stories that are fleshing yes. out these female characters that where our characters that we know and love they wouldn't be where they are without them, good or bad, high or low. Like mm-hmm. these women helped set them up this way. That yeah. was a weird thought. <laughs> but yeah, you think about. Smee and Baru working together to free slaves on Tatooine, mm-hmm. and then we have Padme and Sabe, and um, then of course I think for and I think most female Star Wars fans probably watching A New Hope as a kid and seeing Leia kind of just take over her oh, own yeah. rescue, and it was just like, oh, yeah. call this a rescue mission, right? <laughs> Oh, and ah, there was there was no one that could have portrayed that like Carrie Fisher. No, no. Oh yeah, no. She's awesome. She's like I. I mean, I didn't watch the original trilogy until I was older. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I watched them as a kid, but I don't really remember them. Yeah. Like, I was just like, yes, I love her. I love her. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No. Star Wars. I mean. OG Star Wars isn't really known for their female characters. No. But no. I think that's a, a good, like, blessing of these books that we get to yeah, flesh we, them out and see them as they are. Yeah, and we get to really explore them not as Padme the Sen- Senator, Amidal the Queen, but for teenage girls sneaking out to a, <laughs> to a concert. concert. And the panic of first crushes mm-hmm. and miscommunications mm-hmm. and first and, periods. Right. And, and, and falling in love. Yes. Even when you didn't, or they didn't think that it was ever going to be in the cards. Because even yeah. Padme was like, well, I've just never really experienced that. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden this Jedi just comes bounding back into her life and he's yes. like, hey, baby, I love you. And she's like, uh, yeah, me too. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's, yeah, I think 
it's so well done, and I think it does, it adds so much meat to these movies and these stories, and... Mm-hmm. Um, there was a... I, I watched a video, and the creator made the comment, the thing that makes Star Wars better, if I have any questions, is more Star Wars. So even yeah. if there's things that I'm like, hmm, I don't, know, I don't really understand that, or I don't really like that, but here, let me read this novel, and oh, now that makes sense. I love that. So the only answer to Star Wars questions is more Star Wars. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> the answer to oh, why is the queen 14 years old is oh, just all the boo children are prodigies, right? And they run everything. And um, <laughs> I think the like general consensus is that young girls don't have the, or, like, young people don't have the, like, um, oh my gosh, I just read it. They don't have the, like, they have a childlike wonder that adults don't have, so Uh, they can make different Mm -hmm. choices than what adults would make, Mm -hmm. and it makes them, like, better leaders because they have this, like, wonder about them still. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me about, well, thanks for inviting me to chat with you about the uh, Padme trilogy mm-hmm. and uh, Star Wars in general. I could, I could, I could talk about Star Wars uh, for hours and hours and oh, hours. Me too. <laughs> I, anytime I think I'm out of things to talk about Star Wars, <laughs> I think of something else. Uh, just go listen to Padme's theme and cry later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's just, awesome. Yes. And I loved getting more Breha Organa and mm-hmm. or Brea Organa. Right. Yeah. Um No, and Bail Organa because Bail Organa just loves his wife. Right. And is the purest <laughs> man in the Star Wars universe, probably. I love Bail Organa. <laughs> He's the best. And just the description of he just uh, He's just completely obsessed with his wife. He's and completely like, obsessed with his wife. Love it, that. It's love that for him. <laughs> and she always talks about how, uh, like, you get these snippets of Brea talking about, like, how lucky she was to find a man that was, like, would take her name and wear it. Bale's just mm-hmm. like, I'm just along for the ride. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I just love my wife and the Republic. <laughs> yes, I love my wife and the Republic. And I'm going to re- protect this tiny little senator. Who's oh, my new best friend? Right. Who's my new bestie? <laughs> yep. Oh. Yeah. Just the the awkwardness of in the first book of Bail and Manmatha and Padme mm-hmm. coming together as colleagues, and Padme's like, I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just sitting here like, Oh my God, this is Bail Organa. He's gonna be your best friend ever. Right. Come you, on. You like, can you do it. Like you were not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they, I love that they point out too. That canonically, the only two people that have seen past the decoy maneuver are um, her her guard, um, uh, Panaka. Yeah, Panaka like saw past it in hers, but Bail Organa and then Qui Gon Jinn oh, are yeah. the only two people that caught on right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Qui Gon. So it is Qui Gon. Yeah. And he just he, he just let it happen. He was just like, "All right, <laughs> I'm like I'm cool with this. I want to see where this goes." <laughs> and he just puts the 
on, and like I think every kind of like because there's always jokes about that scene when she reveals who she is at the end of Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. That it's like Qui Gon and Obi Wan just share a look, and it's like, oh, they were totally betting on when she was gonna <laughs> show. And then the nod in the book of, oh yeah, there's only one other person that has ever figured out the decoy maneuver, and mm-hmm. Bail is like, who is? She's like a Jedi Master. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Qui-Gon. Oh, we love Qui-Gon. Okay, well, we should probably sign off before we find more Star Wars things to talk about. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of Shelf Logic. Bye! Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.